It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten It's glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes that glow Welcome to the Natural Underground. I'm your host, Al Springer. This show is brought to you by New Brand University, the educational arm of the Touch Agency. Joining me in the studio today, an expert team of brand builders. We have Ryan, and as we get into this sort of Christmas holiday spirit, we like to think of Ryan as our Santa Claus. I get that all the time. (laughs) He will watch you all year long, judge you based on your behavior, and then ultimately very unlikely to respond to any of your letters. Isn't judging someone on their behavior the best way to judge someone? <laughs> it is. I, I think up. it's the only way I to judge like the content of your character. Logical. Yeah. I am Chris Kringle, and I see no problem with it. <laughs> that lovely voice you hear in the background is Jessalyn. And like Tinsel is to a Christmas tree, we like to say Jessalyn is that to our show. I like that. She provides holiday cheer. Duh. A little sparkle. Uh-huh. Ultimately, though, maybe gets everywhere in the house, and you sometimes regret putting it on the tree in the first place. <laughs> what, what is tinsel? tinsel is home. I don't what? even know what tinsel is. You don't know what tinsel is? It's like the silver. It almost looks like little tiny, like metallic strips of paper, and they're not paper. Or like it's aluminum like a, foil. Yeah, it's basically foil. It's spark, and yeah. you like throw it on the tree, what and it looks like Grinch. Icicles. What kind of Scrooge? Yeah, doesn't geez. know what tinsel. Don't know what tinsel is, man. <laughs> um, I almost think it might be a regional thing a little bit. Could Do you be, think that? Could be. We'll have to check. We'll have to check into your tinsel background. Like the whole bowl of popcorn on the tree thing. That's like a regional thing. Well, you Someone know, speak, to, what? Speaking of weird stories and <laughs> just Ryan, sort of the Christmas, holidays. Have you heard of it? Yeah. yeah, yeah welcome. Jeez. I watched Home Alone. I didn't, didn't see that. In That's pretty good. Uh, I was thinking about the holiday time, and I have such an odd memory. My dad, Do we back in know? the day, <laughs> yeah, back in the day, he would. He had a vi- early day video camera, right? Because it was a long time ago. We're talking like late sixties, early seventies. And he had, but what came with it was, and I think his camera was probably out of the fifties. He just kept it. He he would open this suitcase and have a bar of of just a bar. He would set up a bar. We'd all drink, even his little case. There you go. He, he would set up mm. a light bar though that looked like he was going to film a commercial or maybe a major movie set. Uh-huh. And it would take him a half hour to set this thing up. So we would all be waiting at the top of the <laughs> stairs, desperate to go down to see what Santa Claus brought. Nothing. And it seems like, one more minute, <laughs> one more minute. And by the time you came down, the, the room was so flooded with light and heat from this thing, you couldn't even concentrate. You didn't know what was happening. There was no audio in cameras back in the day. So right. he's barking orders at you. You better smile like this one. And we're like trying wow. to open it, look at the camera. It was a wild experience. And how yet, does that make you feel? Oh. I would like to talk about it <laughs> in a few moments. Very troubled by that memory. Yeah, I, no, actually, I miss it now. I don't walk into a room at Christmas without expecting there to be big lights Do you lights have your on family and, just hold yeah, up would you little just hold lots lights. of flashlights just to recreate it? Their phone, <laughs> maybe a candle, anything that works out. I'm here. Do you have any amazing uh, holiday memories that kind of come um, this time of year? Uh, you know, I always think back on when I got a microscope for Christmas. I thought I was going to be a forensic analyst. What did you see? Oh, what awesome. did you look at first? Well, they gave you little slides that came with it, and it was like a piece of grass, hair, and then there was one that was like a little tiny, looked like a gnat, 
But when you would put it under the microscope, it's like eyeballs were gigantic and it was really scary looking. And I remember then I was like, forget this microscope. I got a microscope <laughs> as a kid and it had a, honestly one of the slides that you mm-hmm. would put in the microscope was blood. Yeah, yeah. I Well, I would. That's pretty cool. I would prick my finger and put my own blood on there. I think oh, we, wow. that is a disturbing <laughs> twist in our holiday <laughs> show. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> should, should I not have said that? Yeah, I think oh, we wow. just let that one oh, roll. Oh, and you should have yeah. seen the like things. Nobody ever heard that. Should have seen you. the things crawling around in my blood. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awful. <laughs> I was eight. <laughs> okay, so let's say it's the last minute shop, last few days before Christmas, uh-huh. at least Hanukkah, to, you know, for some folks, and yeah. depending on the day. What kind of last minute gifts can people look at? Have we got any big ideas You're for You're a last minute shopper, oh, aren't you? I have probably 75% of my shopping still to do. Really? Yeah. Does, doesn't that stress you out? What's your game plan here? Uh, just go and just buy things I see. <laughs> <laughs> this is a here, uh, toaster Grandma, that I saw. <laughs> I know you need this auto kit that uh, re- <laughs> I can redo your car. Like, I don't know. I just I get desperate. Here's some baking soda that I found. Absolutely. And you know what's worse? I respond to those. The, whatever the good-looking ladies are in department stores, I always respond to them. Oh, behave! What do you really? mean I by get, that? I get roped in. You know, like they. Come I did like, that for Mother's Day. You did. That's right. You get talked into stuff. Like what? Yeah, you get into like, like the perfume? perfume aisle. Everybody smells great. Yeah. <laughs> they close talk. It's always limited you. edition. Everything's limited edition. Yes. Or you yeah. get like you a free. I don't know. Purse Maybe this whatever. is what I should buy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I get. I I lose the ability to. Wow. A bunch of people right now, like a bunch of you know princes who need a million dollars right now on the internet are finding you they I know do, you're yeah. easy, you to, what? easy you're, to rope in how many princes need, are there in nigeria all you need is the upfront money and then yeah. i can get this other money this is awesome and i get a free perfume oh this is spectacular well let me help you out since it sounds like you are struggling yeah a little um, bit i am i tried to find some great last minute gift ideas for sort of that foodie in our life maybe the healthier eater, someone who's into trying new things. Those people are always very hard to shop for. Yes. Um, so I wanted to start by, I found a, have you heard of these soda streams? I have. I've seen them for years in the department store and I'm, you know, while not a huge soda drinker, I've always been kind of curious how they work and do they actually taste pretty close to what you're making at home? And I guess I don't get why are you making soda at home? Do you make it more well, your own ingredients so or so you can, you just use tap water. So you just okay. can take water out of the tap and it'll turn it into sparkling water, which is, oh, that's pretty cool. Which is cool. Yep. I don't really know what happens in there. CO2 cylinder. Works. Oh, yeah, I thought that soda water had a little. Does, water plus use gas is what they too, call it here. What? I thought that like if you have a soda water, there's always like five milligrams of sodium or something. Maybe yeah, that's, that's just how they keep it yeah. busy or something. Possible. Well, it looks pretty easy. I've yeah. seen it. For, I've yeah, no batteries or electricity required. So Talk it's magic. How do they yeah. do it? How do you get it? If you want that, how do you find that? You just go um, to their website? Yeah, well, this the Soda Stream, you can find it online and they have it pretty much. They have it like at department stores and at Target. You can go to like Bed Bath & Beyond where they have everything you could ever need. And let's, then you can add your own flavors in there too, or like fruit or mint. Which let's is go cool. away from technology for a minute. I saw on your list the smart herb garden. I, yes. say, I think when we talked about this before, I said herb garden. Yeah, mm-hmm. herb. Herb from just down the street. <laughs> but the herb garden, what is that all about? It's this cool. Um, so if you're cooking in the kitchen and you don't want to have to purchase like herbs at the store, you can. Ryan, I see you wanting to make a joke. Let's say Go. they're illegal. <laughs> Go ahead and make the joke. Um, so it's like this little like foot long, tiny um, sort of like a tub and it has a little gr- uh, grow light and it's like a, this NASA <laughs> technology. 
And um, you can make like basil or parsley, lots of mm-hmm. like yeah. herbs that are. Th- sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's can... what people are growing. Hey, you're yeah. from Oregon. And then you roll it up. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you roll up the oregano. Uh-huh. But um, Ryan, yeah. You, you had some uh, some herb garden guys in college. Some botanists. Some yeah. botanists. <laughs> some self home, Do you have their botanist. phone number? I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it looks so, pretty cool. Yeah, and it's uh, it's supposed to, because of the like NASA technology that it's using, it's really energy efficient. You're not like running a really strong uh, electric light. My favorite one is um, these monthly subscription boxes that oh, I know, yeah, whether it's cool. like clothes or food, everyone's into getting their little monthly surprise every month. And they have these awesome boxes. They have one that's called Best of Mouth. <laughs> that I don't like. like snacks. That sounds bad. <laughs> and nope. then they have a try the world box and they're both I think those are both never mind. Yeah. <laughs> both Al, of those keep it together. The, both of those sound like things you could spend extra for, but go ahead. Yeah, and it costs a lot. <laughs> Thank you. But they're like snacks from around the world that you couldn't find just at your local grocery store. They have um like rare nuts. <laughs> and, um, so there's a trip around the world. <laughs> And what was the other one? A trip around the world. And best, best of mouth. Best of mouth. Try, try the world and best yeah. of mouth. Wow. Okay. On that anyway, note. On that they're, note. They're, they're snack boxes, and they are great. You can tell our producer's looking at us like, wow, this is starting <laughs> yeah. to move a little close. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you guys have some great ideas, some last-minute uh, thoughts for shopping, put them on our Facebook page at uh, The Natural Underground. We want to provide you a service if you're <laughs> down like I am to the last couple of days. Uh, maybe you'll see something great on there. And you and, and Jessalyn, maybe you can load these ideas up on there. Yeah, just so definitely. People, we know uh, you need them. help. They're not ones you necessarily would think about right away. Hey, when we come back, you're going to love our guest today. You, we all know the growth of cold brew coffee. These guys are taking it to another level. Limitless, literally limitless in its potential. We're going to be joined by Matt and Chris from Limitless. When we come back, you're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground, the holiday show. Couldn't be more excited. How fun is that music? Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm dancing over here. You just can't see it. It feels good. It feels (laughs) good. My moves are good. (laughs) Well, you know who else has some good moves? Our guest today. I have no idea what that means, but our guests today are Matt Matros and Chris Finucci from Limitless Coffee and Tea. We are addicted to this stuff. We love it. This is like cold brew 2.0. You guys are going to love it. Matt and Chris, welcome to the Natural Underground. Happy holidays. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So maybe, Matt, I'll ask you first, what is Limitless Coffee and Tea? Yeah, so we are a company based here in Chicago, Illinois, and we are relentlessly pursuing the cleanest coffee and tea in the world. Um, coffee is consumed by 50% of Americans on a daily basis, but what most Americans don't know is that the process for harvesting and bringing coffee to the United States is literally filthy, covered in dirt and mold and and rain and wind and oftentimes bugs and other things. And, you know, we at Limitless source exclusively a wet wash bean, which means a bean that has been washed at the source farms in Central and South America and then brought to America where we then air roast it, which means we suck out the final contaminants. And then we brew it in reverse osmosis water uh, for our cold brew. So we like to say that we have the cleanest coffee and tea in the world. Does that mean that normal beans are not washed? 
I would say about 50% of the beans that are consumed um, in the world are what's called natural processed beans, which means they're plucked from the tree and then they sit out anywhere from three to four months um, while the fruit of the cherry um, basically dries off. Uh, where in wet wash beans, they get washed at the source and then friction is immediately applied, so the, the, the fruit falls off. Um, and those are the beans that we buy. Uh, most coffee producers sort of do like a blend of the two, the wet and then the natural, and then they also drum roast, which causes the, um, the contaminants to further carbonize onto the bean. What we do is we only buy the wet wash bean and then we only air roast it. So that's like, it's sort of that, that perfect storm of, of clean beans. I want to come back to that process in one second. Where do you source the beans? Is that part of your story? It is a little bit. So we, we like to say that we are direct trade, which means we buy direct from farmers. So we went down to El Salvador, Honduras, Colombia, um, other parts of Central America, and, and created a direct handshake deal with many of the farmers that we work with. That just means that they get um, a higher percentage of the funds from our transactions than if we were to work with the third party. Uh, we then import the beans um, into Chicago and then roast them in our facility here. Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. And then when you talk about the wet washing and the air roasting, how did you guys discover that sort of process? What became appealing about it to you? Yeah, so I was traveling around the world a couple of years ago and found myself on a coffee farm in Bali, of all places. You know, in Java is the largest island of Indonesia, and obviously Java is what we sometimes refer to as coffee. Um, and just happenstance ended up on a coffee farm where I witnessed firsthand uh, this natural process. And, and I literally said to myself, I'm like, man, this is just a, a dirty process. If Americans knew this, I'm not sure they would consume as much coffee as they do. And like any entrepreneur, I said, there has to be a better way. Uh, sure enough, I started doing experiments on my body where I would, ex- <laughs> you know, every day I would drink a different coffee. And I found that the wet wash bean combined with the air roast just gave me a better performance. I just literally felt like a better person. Um, and I said, I need, to, I need to spread this across the country. I need to get this word out. And that's where Limitless was born. And you mentioned reverse osmosis water. It's been a long time since I've been in any sort of a science class. Can you please remind me what osmosis means yeah, and why it's important? Yeah, the way to describe reverse <laughs> osmosis is most people use water that comes right out of the ground. Um, and in most municipalities in the country, um, there's pretty strict um, clean processes. So it removes almost all the minerals and deposits that ends up in our drinking water, which is why it's safe. Um, for us as Americans to drink water out of the ground. What reverse osmosis water does is it just essentially takes that water out of the ground and runs it through through about six different filters, and it makes it almost completely pure of any minerals or deposits that that would be normally found in water. It's similar to the water softening process, if you've heard of that, between hard water and hard water. And um, how does that affect the flavor of the product to use that type of water? Yeah, just how you can definitely taste the a difference between filtered water and any other sort of purified yeah. water. We feel mm-hmm. that it adds that extra mm-hmm. level of what's been described to, by our by our consumers is just an extra level of crispness or cleanness, oh. where you can actually taste more of the flavor of the coffee versus anything else. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of hinted at it, but how does Limitless compare to other cold brew coffees? So in the world of cold brew, maybe what we should do is just do sort of like cold brew one-on-one, and we can start as why is cold brew different from iced coffee. I love coffee. it. Well, I love it. Yeah, so iced coffee, which has been consumed for decades, is basically just coffee that was brewed hot. So they took hot water and they poured it over coffee grounds, just like you know we're all used to growing up seeing from our moms and dads in our kitchen. And then they throw it in the fridge or they throw it on ice, and now you have iced coffee. 
But what cold brew does is it actually takes the coffee grounds and then you soak it in 80 degree or lower water temperatures. And what that does is it does two things. One is it causes the coffee to um, soak overnight, which infuses a little bit more of that caffeine into it um, because the, the hot water will start a chemical process, which actually kills the caffeine. So with cold brew, you, you preserve a little bit more of the caffeine. And then number two, because you're not adding that hot water and starting that chemical process, there's a little bit less of an acidic flavor to it. So what cold brew is versus regular iced coffee is it's a, it's a more subtle, more balanced flavor versus that acidic flavor. And then it also has um, anywhere from one and a half to two times more caffeine than hot coffee. So that's why we love cold brew as a beverage. We think it's going to mm-hmm. be um, the category killer of energy drinks because you're looking at an organic or all-natural product that, in the instance of original cold brew, has zero calories versus a monster or Red Bull, which has 14 ingredients of which 12 people can't pronounce, um, has a couple hundred calories in it and has a number of man-made um, chemicals and ingredients. So that's why we love cold brew as a category, um, and that's why I, I drink it every day. Yeah, I have one more question real quick on that note. Um, maybe, Chris, if you could answer this or whoever. Um, I Just because it's cold brew, can you still drink it hot? Do you have a way to, do you recommend people heat it up if they still want hot coffee or do you not recommend that? That's actually a good question. Um, we actually experimented with hot coffee or cold brew coffee in the hot form at our roastery. Mm-hmm. And we found that you can get a really delicious flavor out of cold brew coffee when heated. And some customers have even come up to me directly talking about how they've heated our cold brew up and use it as a catalyst for hot coffee in the morning, which has been really cool. Awesome. Very so, cool. So cold brew coffee by itself is kind of innovative in the last couple of years, but you guys have been innovating even within cold brew coffee. You have some crazy unique delivery forms. What is the buzz bag? Well, the buzz bag is a really cool tool that gives the consumers the opportunity to brew their own cold brew at home. And what it basically is, is if you think about the game bags or cornhole that you used to play at the tailgates, uh-huh. uh, it's literally just I'm not a good bag. at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not this time. Um, it's literally just a bag of coffee grounds that a consumer could then put in a pitcher overnight, put some cold water in there, leave it in the fridge, and overnight they have up to four cups of cold brew for the week. It's a really low-cost way to bring a consumer the opportunity yeah. to Yeah, and then you're themselves. not uh, you know, transporting water when you can have it right at your house. Exactly. exactly. And then when you're done, can you play cornhole with it? Let's say you are out at a football game. <laughs> Speaking of innovation, you guys also have developed a fridge pack, like a multi-serve. Uh, what does that look like? The fridge pack is really cool. It actually comes in two different sizes. Uh, we wanted to utilize this as our multi-serve tool. So we have a 48-ouncer and a 96-ouncer. The 48-ounce is for a consumer to take home and leave in their fridge. It serves up to six cups of cold brew coffee. It's kind of like your Franzia wine in the box of cold brew. <laughs> I do and, like Franzia. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I continue to drink Franzia with my cold brew every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's a morning. You know what? That's just breakfast. That's breakfast. <laughs> that is breakfast. You're absolutely right. In <laughs> um, the 96 ounce, we've uh, seen a lot of success with the office world. It's kind of be your office hero, bring all your employees and your coworkers. Uh, 12 cups of cold brew coffee. So people seem to really love that. So in addition to coffee, you also have matcha. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about matcha? What's matcha all about? Yeah, matcha powder is awesome. So what matcha powder is, it's a uh, very rare form of Japanese green tea. 
grows exclusively in Japan. And we buy what's called the first flush or ceremonial grade matcha, which basically mm. means it's those first few leaves right off the tree, which means it's the most pure, most packed with antioxidants. So people drink matcha tea, or people drink tea in general because of the catechins and the antioxidants in it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's matcha tea that has the highest concentration of catechins or antioxidants. Oh, wow. So what matcha tea is, is we, it's these leaves that are taken from that, that first harvest. They're crushed up into a fine, ultra-fine powder, and then we blend that into our green tea base. That's a fair trade green tea that we get from China mm-hmm. that we brew in our roastery. Uh, so you get a you get a drink that's got this earthy, delicious tea like flavor, and then we have a couple um, skews that we add organic cane sugar and natural mint extract to 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 add a little bit of a level of flavor to it. But matcha is an awesome. It's a way to get that sustained caffeine buzz without having the um, that extra punch that cold brew coffee gives you. This stuff is so well thought out. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a science behind it, but there's an art form because it tastes absolutely delicious. I know you guys are just launching the product now, but do you have any locations any of our listeners might be able to find uh, to try the product themselves? Yeah, so we um, we started our business uh, back in March, and our focus was mostly in the office world. So we have about 150 office accounts around Chicago and Los Angeles. We have some pretty high-profile customers, LinkedIn, Twitter, Uber, Pandora, Pinterest, a number of trading firms wow. where we give them a kegerator and then we sell them cold brew and matcha tea for their employees to use on tap because we like to say that we're powering the day. But within the last two weeks, we've launched um, our bottle cold brew and ready to drink um, matcha tea products into 40 Mariano's grocery stores, which is a, a beautiful grocery store chain here based in Chicago. There's 40 locations um, in and around Chicagoland, and we're excited to partner with them as our first major retailer to roll our bottles out. We've been on the shelves for about a week, and the good news is, is we've already seen a number of reorders, and the products are turning, and when we go to the shelf, uh, we're seeing a lot of empty spots, which is good. That's spectacular. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the sort of the entrepreneurial side of all this, and at that point, we can talk about your amazing packaging, just the design, the look of it. <laughs> Gorgeous product. We'll be back in a moment with Chris and Matt. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to The Natural Underground. Our special guests today are Matt and Chris from Limitless Coffee and Tea. We've already learned all kinds of cool stuff about the product. And if you're just joining us, Limitless makes great tasting cold brew coffees and teas. You've got to try them. They look beautiful. They taste fantastic. Now we want to learn a little bit more about the business side of Limitless. So in keeping with our holiday show, Matt and Chris... What's the worst holiday gift you guys can ever remember receiving, and what was it? I'll let Chris start with that one. <laughs> Chris, have you been uh, thinking about that one? Um, just off the top of my head, a funny story comes to mind. This was back when I think I was just starting to work out for the first time in my life. So my mom wanted to get me a present to encourage me to continue to work out. And I was really excited because finally I was seeing some muscle growth and I had never seen that before. <laughs> you were <laughs> huge, man. You were huge. 
I was huge. I was huge. I couldn't even, I had no neck at that point. So <laughs> my, uh, my mom wrapped up this present and I opened it up on Christmas Eve because we get one present on Christmas Eve. Yeah, me too. Oh, I hate me. that. I hate that rule, by it's the way. the right way to do things. That ruins Christ. You should never let one sneak in before the deadline. And the best part was is I would always sneak in more than one, but that's a story for another day. Yes. <laughs> um, but I open up this box and inside is a shake weight. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. There's and no I manly way to do. work a shake, a shake weight. I own a shake weight. and uh... You got to do that by yourself with no camera, no pull the blinds. Phone, pull the blinds. I can't even bring myself to do it by myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, once you get wrong. over it, it is a little difficult it, once you get over the initial <laughs> shock. It just looks Everyone wrong. who comes over will be like, you have a shake weight? Wow. <laughs> what are you doing? And you show them your triceps. Yeah, oh. then it makes it makes up yeah, for it. Matt, me. what about you? You've had to have one bad one. You know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, so what I'll do is I'll take the heat and tell you the worst gift I ever gave to someone because okay. I'm still taking taking crap from it for my niece. I have All a right. 13-year-old niece, and she's the sweetest little girl ever. And You know, for most kids, yeah, I try to be the cool uncle and every year try to get whatever the hot new toy is. Well, around her, her, when she was eight years old, there, whatever that was, maybe four or five years ago, there wasn't really a hot toy, so I didn't really know what to get her. So I ended up going to the mall and going to the toy store and just kind of like just scooping a bunch of stuff from the clearance bin into a big bag oh, no. um, and presented <laughs> oh, no. it to her because it was sort of just like a potpourri of different things. Um, and when she opened it up, she thought it was a gag. Like she literally thought it was a joke. And I'm like, so it's now affectionately referred to as the box of crap that I got her. <laughs> oh, when she was, when she that's was so bad. So you were trying to kind of make it interesting and you put in a bunch of different things that just didn't come off right. Yeah, and then, of course, I felt horrible the next year and came correct with an iPad, so. Oh, wow. wow. Now it's forgotten, man. That is completely forgotten. Well, we always ask the same two questions of every guest, and since there are two of you guys, I'd love to hear this. Where did you grow up, and then what did you want to be, you know, when you were growing up? And I I don't think that cold brew coffee was probably in the mix at that point. So, Matt, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, a little bit outside of Los Angeles, California. Um, and then when I was a kid, I wanted to be a sports agent. That was sort of always oh. my thing. And I, I like to say that, you know, my greatest accomplishment is that not only did I say I wanted to be a sports agent, but I eventually became one. So after finishing at USC, I went to work for Beverly Hills Sports Council representing baseball players. And um, although it wasn't uh, the industry I, I stayed in, I still have a special connection with the athletes. And so now I'm looking for myself as a food entrepreneur. Did the movie Jerry Maguire just change your life? You know, it's funny. It came out when I was a senior in high school, and that was the year when everyone starts talking like, oh, what are you, you're going to college, what do you want to do? And, of course, everybody thought I wanted to be a sports agent just because of the movie. So at first I was a little frustrated by it, but then actually later on while I got into my career as an agent, it actually sort of helped me explain to people what I was. Because if people had no concept of what I did, I could say, oh, it's just like Jerry Maguire. And then they, they knew exactly what I did for a living. I like it. So Chris, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up right outside of Chicago in a little town called Glen Ellen. Sure. Uh, and for those of you familiar with Chicagoland, it's really close to Naperville. Yep. And uh, I guess what I wanted to be is split up into two different sections. You know, when you're younger, maybe between 10 14, you kind of have the whole world as your oyster. It's kind of before you start getting realistic, right? Before your dreams um, are so, crushed slowly. Yes, exactly. Well, my dreams were crushed really. Because <laughs> I wanted to be a stuntman. Oh. And um, 
after seeing all the stunts on TV, I was like, oh, my gosh, how do they do all this awesome stuff? And my mom told me, oh, they have stuntmen out there. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. So I go to my high, my grade school, middle school at the time, excuse me, and we, it had just been a big snowstorm. There was ice covering the entire ground, and we were out for recess, and I broke my leg oh. jumping off of a swing. So your stuntman <laughs> so career was short. It ended my dream. Yeah, what did you want to do after that? After that, Matt kind of stole the show. I wanted to be a sports agent and actually went to school for sports management and did a little project for the San Diego Padres before I found my um, my calling in food and beds. So all over the place. Really. Is that how you two met? Yeah, how'd you guys meet? We met a couple years back because I, had, um, I was involved in a company called Koya, which was an almond milk protein drink at the time. And... Matt was running a chain of restaurants called Protein Bar, and I was trying to sell him our product to put into his restaurants, his fast casual restaurants. And after that, we kind of just kept in touch for a couple of years before we reconnected. Now, how did you how did you guys start Limitless? Who had the idea, or which part of your group had the idea originally? Yeah, so when I was uh, after I had, uh, exited Protein Bar, I sold it to a big private equity firm, took some time off, traveled around the world. That's when I saw those coffee farms and then came back to the U.S. in middle of 2015. That's sort of when I said there's got to be the better way of coffee. And I started doing some research and <laughs> went all in with my life savings and bought a roaster business out of Atlanta and moved it up to Chicago. Well, I was looking for a place to put all this roasting equipment and stumbled upon Chris's Almond Milk Kitchen. Um, and that's sort of where we reconnected. And he was at the time in the process of moving his business out to Southern California, the almond milk business, and he just didn't want to go. Um, and the opportunity presented itself for us to work together. Uh, we didn't end up putting our roaster in his almond milk kitchen. We found it on full market, but um, it was a it was a love that that sparked and has been nothing but awesome things since then. And then just real quickly, before that, you had built a business, the Protein Bar, right, Matt? All over Chicago. Yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous yep. places. So pro- yeah, Protein Bar is um, the on-the-go destination for healthy fast food. Uh, we have 20 locations across Chicago, Washington, D.C., and Denver, Boulder. I like to say that we're sort of Chipotle meets Whole Foods. Um, so we breakfast, lunch, dinner. We have burritos, shakes, wraps, salads, um, juices the whole nine. Um, I'm still involved in the business, just don't run the day-to-day. And that, that got you into the entrepreneurial vibe, probably. It did, yeah. If you want to get one of those in Austin, that'd be great. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, kick the tires on Austin, for sure. We were just down there actually looking at real estate not too long Ooh. ago. Um, well, I just want to talk about your product design. It's so clean and modern-looking. It's really um, different. So, you know, I feel like some of the other cold brew coffee brands go with this more sort of vintage-esque design style, but you guys really stand out at the shelf. You went a really different direction. How did you um, How did you get there, and how did you present that story to retailers? Yeah, you nailed it. So we, we want to differentiate from all of our competitors because we really want to own the category or create a category around clean. Um, so in the world of coffee right now, we like to say that there's three positionings. There's convenience which would be sort of McDonald's or America runs on Dunkin'. Um, There's community, which is what Starbucks has built over the last 40 years. You know, be a part of this club. This is your third place. Um, Or most recently, there's, as you mentioned, the vintage or the heritage or what we call craft um, coffee scene. We want to be our own thing. We want to be performance meets beauty, and we really want to own that cleanness. 
Um, and that's sort of why our packaging represents that. We want to, we like to say that, you know, we're not a rebuilt 1967 Chevy. We are the Tesla of coffee. Yeah. Or we, we are not, you know, a Bikram yoga studio. We are a soul cycle for coffee. We're that, we're that performance meets edge meets beauty. And that's sort of why Limitless exists is because we really want to power productivity. That's what we thought would be interesting to retailers, too, is that cold brew coffee's become so popular, right? But you're cold brew coffee 2.0. You're really the next generation. It's not looking back. It's looking forward. And that mm-hmm. packaging seems to reflect that, which I think is really eye-catching for folks uh, as they walk that uh, shelf. So very cool. Um, what has been your biggest challenge in starting the business? If you could kind of go back in time and say, wow, this, yeah, I know we've only been doing it a year, but this is a, a learning that everybody should know about. I would say the biggest thing for Limitless has been, you know, coffee has been consumed since the 1600s. So uh, the, the, that, there's a blessing and a curse of that. The, you know, the blessing is that it's the number one most consumed beverage after water in the world. But the curse is, is that everybody has their own sort of ritualistic way in which they like to enjoy or make coffee a part of their day. So the biggest thing for us or the biggest challenge for us has been trying to disrupt that. And especially take on an industry that has a lot of what I'll call sort of old school, set in their way type um, ways of going about business, mostly on the distribution end of things. Um, and then for us, as us as, as us trying to be innovators, we're we're moving, we're moving fast, and a lot of the coffee industry tends to to move at a little bit slower of a clip. So that's been a little bit of a challenge right now, but. With every challenge brings opportunity, and that's why Chris and I have been super excited about what we've been able to accomplish to date and why we are so so pumped to have the what we call proof of concept with all those offices that we have in Chicago that are that are really the tastemakers for us and that are really mm-hmm. uh, proving that we've that we've hit her on on the right niche right your product is uh showing up on shelves for the first time as entrepreneurs. How exciting is that? No, it's so great. And I know Matt would agree with me there. I mean, do you walk in the store and just look at it and go, there it is, and yeah. freak out? Or I mean, it's got to be satisfying, even more so. Mm-hmm. I know, Matt, you could walk into a uh, the protein bar and have a certain reaction the first time, but seeing your product in a shelf of someone else's business has mm-hmm. to blow you guys away. It's exciting, but, you know, the easy part is getting on the shelf. The hard part is staying on the shelf. So mm-hmm. uh, that's why I like, you know, I never like to... to to pat myself too much on the back because I know that the real work starts right now um, to getting those consumer turns and really convincing the consumer that we have a reason for being, especially because, you know, as I mentioned, coffee is so prevalent and there are a number of competitors in the space. Um, so now the onus is on us to, to really give consumers a reason to, to pick our product up. Last question for you. I had a, a chance to visit your office. How did you guys find, you know, as cool as your product is, so is your location. You're in that Fulton Market area. How did you find that space? And you guys can imagine we, we, when we visited their office, there's produce trucks out front. It had kind of a market vibe going on. Uh, how did you find that spot? Yeah, we knew, you know, we're in Chicago. We're home to our Chicago business. And in the, in the country right now, there's probably three neighborhoods that are just just really hot and sort of like bastions for coolness. You know, the the top three that come to mind are Williamsburg, which is a section of Brooklyn. You know, you have the Abbott Kinney District in Venice, California, and then the Fulton Market District in Chicago. So we knew that anything coming out of Chicago that's cool really starts and originates in Fulton Market. And there's a heritage of food manufacturers on this street. As you mentioned, the produce suppliers and 
and fish and meat packers. So we knew that if we were going to start something um, from a food manufacturing perspective, Fulton Market had to be the place. That's and so I had great. a number of relationships with real estate developers, and we got really lucky, found a 2,300-square-foot space, and, and we're, we've been brewing since March. Wow, this is awesome. So last question, if people want to know how to find more about you, more about Limitless, what's the website? Yeah, so we'll ship beans nationwide, and uh, we hope to be coming nationwide with our ready-to-drink products. Everyone uh, who wants interest in learn more about our story, learn more about our sourcing standards, where we get our beans, how we clean, the, how we clean our products, can go to LimitlessCoffee.com. Um, we also have uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter followings um, that are pretty strong and successful. So feel free to join us on our, on our community and on our walk as we spread the gospel of clean coffee. I love it, guys. Amen. Guys, thank you. Preach on, brother. Thank you, man. Matt, Chris, Limitless Coffee and Tea, so great having you on the show. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Guys, Thank when we come well. back, yeah, when we come back on The Natural Underground, we're going to talk about a class. We're going to dip into a class from New Brand University on cause marketing and whether uh, it's uh, dead or not. How's that for a shocking little intro? <laughs> You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground. In our final segment, we're going to tackle a question we get asked all the time at the Touch Agency. And in our final segment, we always try and kind of dip into our educational arm, which is New Brand University, right? Right. The classes, the workshops that we offer folks in that emerging consumer packaged goods industry, particularly those that specialize in better for you natural brands. Yeah. So as you can imagine, a lot of those brands have heart, right? They were, they were created because they have heart for the planet ingredients, environment, people, um, uh, the communities that make their product, labor practices, all those kinds of things. So sort of intermixed in there is the interest in should my brand link to a cause, mm-hmm. cause marketing? Should I partner with a nonprofit or a cause of some kind? I always think of Tom's right shoes as sort right. of the ultimate example yeah. as a classic kind of- Buy one, uh, give one. Yeah, buy one, give one. Mm-hmm. Um, great questions and noble questions, but one that has complicated answers. And I was probably a little provocative there and intentionally. So with the, the lead into this segment is should, uh, is, is cause marketing dead. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we, I say that is because, um, we see a lot of those relationships in the, in our industry and in natural foods. So you go into a whole foods or a sprouts or a, a wheatsville and earth fair, fresh time around the country you're going to see a lot of brands who donate and maybe they put a little logo on for a cause they believe in. Right. Right. But one of our sales directors at the touch agency the other day said it was interesting in talking to retailers, cause marketing seems to have become a bit of a non-starter. And I think it's more complicated than that. Right. So first some background, we've had some major success even at the touch agency over the years with cause programming. Um, an example would be Hanson's blue sky soda. Hanson's, which owns lots of beverage companies, or did, I think, before they were acquired, but they own a Blue Sky Soda. So a few years ago, we built a relationship with Blue Sky and then humane societies like SPCAs around the country. Uh-huh. So we put together, a, we put a blue tab on the top of each can. And if the consumer collected and sent that tab in, then the brand would donate 10 cents a tab to a regional uh, humane society in one of eight markets around the country. So it was a cool way to localize it. Yeah. We did the 
Portland, Austin, Boulder, a couple in Florida, SBCA, LA, one mm-hmm. in the Northeast and one in Chicago. And so it was kind of a cool way to take the program local and to get it connected with folks. But in doing the program, we learned um, a, a lesson that sort of played out every day. So that big lesson is cause marketing only works if the brand is all in. In other words, just putting a little logo on your package or the back of a package or even just making a donation and mentioning it to people doesn't really seem to move the needle much, right? Mm-hmm. And we believe it's because everyone from retailers to consumers, all of us, including us here at the show, all have become a bit jaded by some of the yeah. kind of magical, non-specific commitments to causes that uh-huh. brands make. Yeah. And you see it all the time on We care about the environment. Well, yeah, what but does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, right? Is it, is it how right. up and down, how vertical through an organization is it really? I think that's so true. I think consumers now hold brands actually to a higher standard when it comes to this. It's no longer the surface cause marketing stuff. It has to be in your DNA of the brand, part of the reason you started it. That's yeah. A, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think the product, the quality of your product also, you got to win on the shelf. People think cause marketing makes up for something else. Tom's Shoes didn't just win because it was buy one, give one. It's because those little Tom Shoes are value for how cheap they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were they cool, cool. And they're comfortable. Right. And that's going to speak to our lessons in a minute. Mm-hmm. So we want to outline the five key points relative to uh, making marketing, cause marketing work for your company. Yep. So here's our five points. Number one. Oh, I always like that. So <laughs> low, so authoritative. Look, as we said, first and foremost, and as Ryan mentioned, you have to have a great product, right? It, it must win on all the standard measurements from ingredient deck to packaging to taste. We get a brands approach us all the time that say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. But then you kind of look and say, well, get your product right first. Yeah. It, you know, people paying hard-earned money for your cookie, your soda, your chip bag, your cereal, whatever it is, they ultimately want to know that they're getting their money's worth and they've bought something that is great. Um, in other words, no one can will care about you if your product sucks. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> all right. How about the second one? Number two. Pick a cause that you actually believe in. Don't greenwash your mission. And by that we mean don't just sort of say, it sounds like something that my consumers would care about. Mm-hmm. Make it something that you actually care about, right? If you don't care about shoes for tiny elves, then don't say you do. Right. I do. I think tiny el- elves, it's a holiday season. You know how much you like tiny hands. They tiny elves, tiny hands, tiny shoes. Let those <laughs> you know, let those elves fend for themselves if you don't agree, if you don't support the cause. In fact, I'm thinking about launching a Screw the Elves campaign. That's how I don't care about the two. Screw the Elves like as an insult or what kind of a... Yeah, no, that's exactly the right. Elves no, no, no. That's campaign. a different different campaign. <laughs> so this is our holiday show, so probably not the time to, to go into more detail about my Screw the Elves campaign. <laughs> a great example of caring, though, is Daily Greens. We've had Shauna, right, the founder of Daily Greens on the show. And we, we've had her on, and she talked about her reality, which is she, she battled breast cancer mm-hmm. and won which is amazing, right? But she had, and so did her sister, I think at the same time, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Right. Yep. So when they support breast cancer funding and research, they're all in, right? Every day, Shauna lives that life. She really believes in the cause and it comes through in everything that she does. I think consumers have gotten good at being able to tell authenticity. They're looking yep. for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. I agree with that. So the next point. 
Number three. Invest the time in actually getting to know the forks, folks, the forks, the spoons, <laughs> the knives. forks, and the knives. All, all the cutlery. of the cutlery. <laughs> if you aren't eating with these people, they no, get to know the folks at the organization. Have meetings. Go visit them in person. Spend a day volunteering to actually do whatever it is that they do, right? The cause should be close to your heart, and nothing does that more effectively than real, live, people-to-people meetings. So get involved. And I think then the organization starts to meet you, puts a face to who you are as a brand, and it becomes a lot more real to them. Number four. Find ways to leverage the partnership. And by that, we mean in a good way, right? Not taking advantage of anybody, but leverage the partnership. The example we we referred to earlier, Blue Sky Soda. So the brand, along with us, we met with each one of those SPCA humane societies in each of those eight markets. And we connected with their fundraising efforts. And the results ended up being incredible, right? So if you look, uh, for example, we did we were on a live telethon on SPCA LA. In oh. fact, I got to hang out. Who was Stifler's mom? Remember that actress in uh, Amer- American, yeah, what is it? American I, I Wedding? Remember, and, American Pie. Yeah, American. well, I don't know the name. Yeah, right. But she was on there. In fact, I got to walk her out to her car where she asked me the, the oddest question is that, do we ever, have we ever thought about developing a beverage for regularity? And I remember thinking, that's kind of unusual, but she was really funny. So it, maybe she was just trying to make me laugh, <laughs> but it was just kind of a crazy, a crazy experience. But we were on a live appearance of SPA, SPCA LA. And in fact, she was on there because she had heart for, right, a pet adoption. But we did mo- mobile pet adoption RVs parked out in front of Whole Foods in Denver and Boulder. We had SPCA in Florida creating these amazing blue sky themed posters where each of like 20 different types of cats and dogs were all drinking the soda with they had little hats on. It was, I mean, these are not things that if you hadn't gone and and actually spent the time to meet these folks in person and bring the brand to them and talk about it, it would never happen otherwise, uh, you know, and sort of have that. Of that real life, so the results ended up with the, being, the brand being up something like twenty or thirty percent the year that they did this, and that's after years of just having been kind of around, right? Because yeah. it was a it was a brand that had been around, so it works if the commitment is big. Number five. Finally, take those real live meetings, events, fundraisers, and turn it loose on your social media. Jocelyn, you know all about the power of social media. So if you're actually out there doing those things, it creates content for you Mm -hmm. then to put in social media. And part of what that does is to the consumers, the viewers, the people who follow you, it validates that whole uh, campaign. People love seeing behind the scenes, too, who's actually working at the brand. What do the people look like when they buy this product? Who are they sort of directly interacting? with well indirectly interacting absolutely. with i suppose and and who doesn't love you know animals absolutely Take a picture with with a dog or whatever whatever cause whatever planting cause a tree it is. people mm-hmm. people like to see that a lot so what's our lesson here in a nutshell don't do it unless you're all in because mm-hmm. it's just going to look goofy and honestly you're going to give away a little bit of money that's not going to make much of a difference be all in and then all of a sudden it becomes interesting and cause marketing then very far from being dead that's our holiday show, and hopefully that's a nice theme, even though I ask people if cause marketing was dead. <laughs> caring about people during the holidays is dead, and no, it's not. No, it's not. Just, Just be, gotta be all in, all in which is be a good lesson in. in life. That is our, uh, our <laughs> little note for you at the end of <laughs> yeah. this holiday show. Be all in. 
But thank you for joining us on our holiday show. If you want to learn more about The Natural Underground, go ahead and find us on Facebook at The Natural Underground. We'll post our uh, last-minute holiday ideas there as well. If I can say one thing, too, it's since it's our sort of the end-of-the-year show for us. Right. And we're counting our blessings, even though it's not Thanksgiving. It is we're really, really appreciative of those folks who listen both on the air in Austin as well as on our industry podcast. And we wish you absolutely the happiest of holidays and a great happy new year and a great 2017. That sounds like a made up year. I can't believe it's 2017. It's so fast. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have a happy holiday season and we will see you next year. See you next year.